All right. We're back to the Collision Cast, and I've got Chris with me here today. Yo. It's nice to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back, man. So things have uh, have progressed a little further since the last time you were here. Uh, we have physical cards now to show people, and we have quite a bit more art, especially on your end. I've seen it. Like, I've seen the cards before we started this, and they are hot. Yeah, they, they turned out perfect. A lot of the, cri- the critiques I had on the earlier prints have been fixed, and um, these just look really professional. Let's hand them back to you. So look at them again. Um, so sexy. Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I am going to make the uh, the logo a little bit bigger on the card back because it, the card's just a little too empty, but I'm still going to leave plenty of black empty space. But besides that, this is what our cards are going to look like, and they look really good. Oh, hell yeah. They look really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, your cards are a different level entirely. So oh, yeah. for those who have not seen Chris's artwork yet, Chris is a more traditional artist. That's neither here nor there. Um, people just have their own preferences on that. Yeah. But because as a traditional artist, you have both more work and more complex work. Or I'm sorry, but less complex work is what I meant to say. Because yeah. um, you have less tools to work with, but you have to understand the tools that you are working with more efficiently. Yeah. However... What you've produced recently with the uh, zombie catapult, I, I believe, is a legitimate masterpiece. It um, is incredible. The line work is uh, next level. The uh, the shading is so realistic. It um, it's almost like you can reach out and touch it at parts. If it w- if you lived in a black and white world, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um. So I'm very excited for when we move it on to the coloring stages in the future. But the piece that you presented, is truly great, and I, I'm I'm very proud of you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I've told you pretty much every step of the way that I'm very happy to have every member of the team involved that I do. But each of you has impressed me. But even even though I've been impressed by you in the past, this was even more impressive. So I'm, I'm very proud of you. I'm very very happy to have you on the team. Like, I wow. I'm just I'm just happy to be working, man. <laughs> Fair enough, my man. Fair yeah. enough, my man. Um. So yes, right now you're currently working on which piece? Um, I'm currently working on the, uh, rapid mutation, okay. uh, card. Um, but, uh, first things first, uh, before I get into that, I just want to, uh, apologize on the audio issue, um, on the last, the last episode I was in, I, this is mostly on me because I was, I wasn't leaving, leaning into the mic and I was mostly leaning all the way over here where it was like impossible for people to like hear me. So it wasn't on anybody's end. It was on. It was mostly on me. So, so blame. So blame me for that. I apologize. And uh, anyways, still learning experience. You still got more and more to learn when it comes to this kind of thing. We're definitely yeah. no. None of us are uh, professional podcasters. Hence the sound of the door opening and closing in the background because I can't time things properly. Yep. <laughs> um. We talk too damn long before before recording sessions. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I like to try and time these when I have updates for yeah. you guys because I don't want you to come over and be like, "Oh, let's just talk about what you've been doing recently." Oh I yeah. I want you to I want you to hear about what we've got going on as an entire company. Yeah. And um, 
this is usually the best best way best medium of doing it because we can talk then you have a couple ideas floating around in your head about what you wanted to talk about today and then you have a few more introduced that you might bring up in the event that we run out of topics right so, um but anyways the rapid mutation card yeah so rapid mutation is is the first curse that's being designed yes um it is for the zombie archetype which is which chris is in charge of um what are you thinking about with that what are, what are you doing um it was um there was a lot of uh there was a lot going on where it was like I wanted it to be like like at first I was starting to have it out where it was like a big Y it was like a wide image of like of like a three person of like a three person perspective kind of thing where it was like multiple people going through like the exact same mutation but going through like different stages like design like different stages of it okay. but then but then I had, but then of course, like with all of the recent stuff I was putting, I was putting out with, I had to look at a lot of uh, comic book references. So I had to turn to, um, to a lot of images of various uh, comic book artists doing, so doing a thing. Hulk transfer, transformation uh, poses. Oh, that's and a good one. Where, it, where it was like, they, where it's like all in one panel and it would be just of, uh, different drawings of Bruce Banner going through uh, going through different stages of the transformation sequence. Okay. All in one image. All in one they're image. like they're all they're all beautiful okay. and super easy to do where it's like just getting a scrawny man into a big muscular and big muscular green dude. Okay. Like easiest design in the world. Okay. But but given this is but given this is like um, like a human like transforming into like a mutated mushroom monster alien thing, <laughs> it's tough because of the because of the little design details that you have to add into what like what details you have to put into when like as they're going through this. So it's like does grass magically grow out of like their skin or or, or like mu or like mushrooms like uh, mushroom pustules going growing out of their like muscles or like reshaping their anatomy that kind of thing yeah like as 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 an artist you really got to like immerse yourself in immerse yourself creatively into this kind of thing so it's like it's it's really yeah so it's really difficult to like execute that in like as you're like thinking about this yeah. like off the spot unless you have like dozens of like dozens of experience on it then it then it'll come to you as like second nature but like as starting up and this is like your first time doing this kind of thing experimenting in this style yeah it's it's a little overwhelming but you get through it fine yeah it just um, takes time yeah i more or less agree especially with um the way that you've been doing it yeah you you somehow found a way of merging simplicity and complicate simple simplicity and the complicated yeah because um your images have a lot going on but most of it isn't it's all of its eye catching what's the other what's another word it, none of it's distracting so like you see the whole image yes um yes and, and you just look at it and you peer at the entire thing should be close enough yeah but um. Yeah, your, your particular style of doing the artwork, and I'm referring to your actual style, not the way you put things together, yeah. is so unique. Uh, I think I've mentioned a couple of times that it's reminiscent of many other things. Yes. But to me, especially in the modern day, that is what makes something unique. If you can, if you can look at essentially a part of something and try and figure out what it's based on, and you come up with multiple different things, it is original. 
because nothing is truly first unless it really is. The majority of things are built on complex ideas that came before it and then pushing those complex ideas to their utmost extreme with your own vision. Right, right. Well, I mean, because um, when, when doing this, it's mostly... Uh, huh. Um, like what you brought up earlier in, about like how you describe my work where like it's de- where it's like detailed, but it's not, but it's not distracting. Yeah. That's everything. That's one of the major things that every artist has to look at when doing this kind of stuff where it's yeah. like you have to, where it's like, if it's for like a creature design, you have to make it, you have to make, have to have it make sense from an anatomical standpoint but at the but at the same time what like what what new and different details you can add to it that don't affect it in any way like whatsoever have you heard of uh, Roanoke gaming Roanoke gaming no I don't I don't follow a lot of uh, gaming stuff that I am oh, he's not actually, as, like he's as not actually, much he's not actually gaming just the content that he talks about is gaming related oh so he um he reviews movies but from a perspective of the of the mutation, so for instance, he he. Well, this is an advertisement for Slither. Um, he or for some shit, I don't know. He looks at the actual mutation itself and explains how it warps the body and how that might work from a biological perspective. Oh. And then he also will look at um, the different types of creatures within different. Within different games, movies, yeah. and other different yes. forms of media. That's okay. Including SCPs, which I, um, which I've mentioned that I want to do one day. Um, SCPs. What is that? Secure, <laughs> contain, and protect. They're a list of, uh, over, I think it's nine thousand different creatures at this point, anomalies or items that are organized by a group of individuals completely outside of intervention or regulation, and it is incredible. It's think of uh, the idea of creepypastas, but specifically all organized into one organization that functions like a Wikipedia page. And speaking of which, he did not just look at a Wikipedia page when explaining that. He just said that like all off the top of his head, just letting you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hyper focus is a very powerful thing. You're like the human embodiment of a computer when explaining things sometimes, but it's but that's but in a good way in a good way (laughs) i like to be very precise when i describe something especially if it's something i'm really passionate about yeah um for instance i i I always talk i talk about fallout new vegas a lot but i describe it as a decision making game that takes place in the future wild west um there's like i think a lot of people would describe it as a first person shooter rpg but it's not it's really not. It's not a first-person shooter. It's you Grand can... Theft Auto in the Wild Wild West. That's pretty much all you need to say. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty close and accurate description of what it actually is because um, it's very personal, in my opinion. Uh, for me, New Vegas was very personal the first time I played it. Um, it was one of the first games I ever bought with my own money, um, and it was the first time I ever got like sick at school and like I stayed home. And I played a game, and I just played through an entire game in one day. Yeah. And it just – stuff really connected to me because I just happened to be, the, I think, the right age. I was about 16 when I really sat down and played it for the first time. I played the Fallout games kind of casually because 
for some reason, and my, my dad doesn't even know where this came from, there was a copy of Fallout 1 and 2 on our home computer, but he'd never played the game. My brother had never played the game. I never played the game. It was just on there. And so I would play it from time to time, not understanding what was going on when I was a little kid, because the game came up the same year I was born. Yeah. Um, and then one day it just disappeared. Like all the data just got... It was like it was never even on the hard drive. Because my dad was kind of computer savvy at the time. So he, he refractored the um, the PC and he was going through all the files that were being refractured. And he said that the, the space wasn't even there for it to be replaced. So like it had been on the computer for a really long time. So when you refractor something, essentially what happens is you move information to where it's organized in empty space. Because when you delete a computer file, the idea of the computer file still sits there because it's a bunch of information. And when you delete something, the only way to really delete it is to overwrite it with more information. Does that make sense? You're making me want to rewatch both the Tron movies <laughs> just to see if they if they had that idea or something similar of that idea into those movies. I haven't seen <laughs> the first Tron in a long time, but I can almost Dude. assure you that they did in the second Tron. Dude, you gotta watch. You gotta watch it. You gotta watch it from oh, its roots. I'm, go- I'm going to. Um, so, I recently saw the Way of Water trailer for the new Avatar movie that looks uh, cool. looks cool. James Cameron, hello, hey. my friend. If you somehow are listening to this, he's not gonna listen to this. I know he's not. But hey, hey, buddy. Hey, let me let me get let me get. Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. Can Don't do be- Pocahontas in the water. Can we be in your movies? No, James Cameron, can no. we be in your movies, please? No, no, man, please. I want to be in your movies. I love your movies so much. I love most of his movies. Some of them, not so much, but I still love your work, man. You know how to make characters. Do it. Hire me on. I disagree. <laughs> I don't, Says you, while I don't I'm having think, fun. <laughs> I, I don't think... I think James Cameron gets more credit than he deserves. He's a director. He just got lost in one simple thing no, no, and then I'm not even stuck saying, to that. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining about the oh, release no, cycle. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, I'm not complaining about the release cycle of Avatar. I'm not even complaining about... I think Avatar is a very solid... You're I fine, give, I give him. I give him credit for this. He took time for a sequel on no, a I'm movie. S- especially, not- especially, in da- especially in days like today where it's like... Where it's like you can take however long you need... Whereas with this one, he needed he needed time to do it, and the studio let him. Okay, I'm that gonna, doesn't come that doesn't come around like often these days. I'm where it's like everything systematic. I'm gonna make my point with a single word: unobtainium. And there you go. Exactly. <laughs> unobtainium. And uh, to all you uh, Transformer fans out there, I know you're out there. I love you guys, but. Um, let it. Let us not remind. Let us not forget. Transformium. Transformium. That's my the ge- the genius of Michael Bay, right there, ladies yes. and gentlemen, uh, of his knowledge of the Transformer movies. Despite the fact. But anyways, let's that uh, reprogramming a fucking transformer is already in the comics. Sorry, I got I got angry for a second. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. I, I love it. I love this. I love this. I hate it when directors. My, my sister and I agree with you. By the way, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I hate it when directors decide that they want to take this beautiful vision that they read two or three comics about and make it their own. 
Because here's the thing. Well, they I think they only got their knowledge from just the G1 cartoon, where I'm just like... But in the G1 you cartoon... Could, I mean, you could for, like, the designs but and everything. But in the G1 cartoon... And maybe some Easter eggs. Yeah. But... But, but G- for but for you to like for people to like to like get quality content out of it for like good story and characters and everything like that, go to the IDW comics. Yeah. Um but but even even that, but in the G one cartoon Award winning IDW comic series, by the way. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> the The point I was trying to make is that the plot points that they needed to write themselves out of the holes that they made were found in the G1 comics. Or found in the G1 uh, show. Yeah. You can reprogram a Transformer. You can disassemble a Transformer and apply its parts to a new Transformer. You can fuse. Yeah. So you have Unobtainium. Or, I'm sorry, you have Transformium, which does not exist in the comics. Or the cartoons. Or the cartoons. And <laughs> is stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. I get what you were trying to do. Like this, like this is this is G one this is G one cartoon level of writing. Like this no, is like this thing. is the giant. Like this you're, is you're getting too loud. sorry. This is the giant purple griffin. Yeah. Of the Transformer G one episodes, guys. <laughs> Where Megatron and Starscream had to um, had to control a uh, control a weapon system. That was, that was, and literally is, a giant purple griffin. <laughs> Top notch in the 80s, guys. Sorry. It's okay. It's just getting a little more frequent. Yeah. I'm getting excited. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you. Like, G, G1's well written, actually. Like, it's campy because it was written in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s. Eight- Dear, it knew what its audience wanted. No, I'm about to say something. Dear creators from the 80s, children are just as mature as they were back then. And children can handle death. Children can handle gun violence. Children can handle a lot of things. And it helps them understand the world better when you do not shelter them. That's all I had to say. (laughs) I, I, I loved 80 cartoons growing up. This is slowly turning into a nostalgia fest podcast where as I think we should be I think we should be going back on topic. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, that works. Yeah, as much as we love this stuff and get passionate about it, we get lost in our own conversations. Just just so you know. <laughs> yeah, we really do. Yeah. I um I mean, I wouldn't be the type of designer that I am if I wasn't the type of person who I find a show that I like and I... I if we weren't, it. yeah, if we weren't raised on the weird stuff that we grew up on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Which you, is only a sliver of what we yeah. grew up on, so... <laughs> we'll get to that maybe, maybe whenever at some point, but I don't know. <laughs> Do you remember the TMNT cartoon? Or, I'm sorry, the live-action TMNT movies. Uh, yeah. Those movies. Oh, yeah. Go back and watch those movies again. Hell, yeah. They're so weird. <laughs> They're so weird. Um, and then there's also the um, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. That show so good. There's no... I mean, yeah, it's good, but re-watching it, I'm like, man, there's like no... It's like... No like villains. nobody... Like nobody has a... Like nobody has a pause on their lines at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... um. That's more or less how they thought they had to appeal to children back in the day. Children are a lot more sophisticated than we, we gave them credit for for 
most of humanity. Like they're not capable of making complex decisions on their own typically. Yeah. Um, but they are capable of making um, more moral decisions than we typically allow them to. Um, and if I'm, I'm not a parent. And if you disagree with me and you're a parent, you have more, you have more evidence than I do. Yeah. Um, but I, I am an uncle and I was very surprised growing up just how intelligent children actually are. I'm gonna be an uncle very soon, actually. Awesome, man. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's really incredible. Yeah, my say, yeah, my sister's pregnant now. Uh, uh, Pragernet? Yeah, yeah, she's Pragers. Okay. And she's, uh, uh, yeah, does she's pregnant? <laughs> um, her um, uh, the kid's names the kid's name's Harper. It's a girl, and I'm ex- and I'm really ex- and and it's really si- exciting because um, we're because we're gonna. Like we're gonna spoil the shit out of this kid, yes. cause, cause, knowing my family, knowing my family for like this many years, I've come to the, I finally come to the conclusion that we are a family of funkles, yeah, fun uncles, <laughs> and I would not have it any other way. So this kid is gonna have the best family ever, hopefully, and yeah, I cannot wait. Yeah, t- kids are really complicated because each one of them, you have to remember, you're not, ri- you know, it's not your child. And I'm not. I'm giving advice from someone who's not me. Um, kids are adults, almost. There's some. Well, they're well with adult aspects to well, them. The thing is, it's the, just it. It's just they have a better. It's just. It's like they have an understanding of it, but they don't. Yeah. But it's, it's there. Like a, it's like a, like a it's child, very like it's very do, like it's very dormant. Yes, a child is. What I mean is a child is an adult almost is that children are actually – I'm not comparing children to adults. I'm ch- comparing adults to children. So um, adults are a lot more like children than we like to admit. We're very firm in our beliefs typically. We have hold, we hold hard opinions. Yeah. And we are stubborn. Because um, we, we know because we know what we like and don't like, exactly. and if we don't like somebody, then we will then we will go violent and kick yeah. their ass. Yeah, and um, and whenever I critique um my view on humanity, typically I'm actually referring to myself, by the way. So if you're like, oh, how dare he say that about me? I'm actually saying that about me, and I'm sorry that you feel that way. But let's Anyways. be very but let's be very clear. Kids can be assholes. Oh, absolutely. Anyone can be. Yeah. Like children children genuinely until they're uh, I'd have to ask my wife to be certain on the age, but I want to say between 2 and 4, they develop the ability to actually have empathy. <clears throat> yeah. It's not their fault. It's I had to th- I had to think on, I had to think on that. So I was like, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um Apparently, children do not develop empathy until until they're like three or four or something somewhere around there, and then that's really the time that children can begin to form complex thought because they essentially be- can begin to think of themselves from another perspective. That's why the golden rule works so well, quote unquote, mm. um, because you're not imagining things being done to other people; you're imagining things being done to you and how that would make you feel. Yeah. So that's why I believe that, like that whole concept of the golden rule really works for a young child. Mm. But the thing is, we don't teach children like we do adults. We teach children like we teach children, which is neither here nor there. I'm not critiquing that. Um, but there's probably more overlap than we probably realize. And I think it's more along the lines of children don't grow up as much as we think we do. Because... 
the majority of our habits, and I'm pretty sure psychology completely disagrees with me, but from my viewpoint, the majority of our major habits and our desires form when we're in the middle of developing as an adult. So we're like 12, 13, 14. Because um, like the majority of all my friends, they said that what they wanted to do when they were 13, 14, that's what they're doing. Like they, my, my friend, um, I'm not gonna name any names, but my friend who wanted to be an engineer, he's an engineer. My friend that wanted to be a designer, he's a designer. My friend that wanted to be a um, social media manager, he's a social media manager. Like you, you, you get lost for years and I think that's more about being a child than you realize. Because growing up, you're basically told who you are supposed to be. Yeah. And then yeah. when you become an adult, you realize that, wait a minute, my parents are just people too. They were probably wrong, at least a little, but they did care about me and have my best interests at heart. Typically. Yeah, that's yeah, typically. that's pretty yeah, that's all it can be summed up by yeah. pretty much. And so you have to you have to then make your own decisions. And I think at that point you become more <clears throat> of a child than more of an adult for a little while. Yeah. Because you have to experience new things from the light of a child while removing your personal filter or removing your personal desires to be quote unquote always comfortable or always in a good mood and actually try different things that can and do feel different to you to see if you like them. Yeah. And then, then you become an adult. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Cause like I would say that I just recently became mature and responsible enough to where I, I am comfortable saying I'm an adult, like a real adult. You know what I mean? Cause like I pay my taxes. I, um, I, I, um, I'm running this company. I'm doing my own thing. Like I'm trying to be responsible at home, that kind of thing. Like I'm trying to master my personal life. So that way my professional life becomes e easier, more concise, more consistent. Right. And I think that's pretty much the way to go. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I don't think that, um, I don't think that trying to stick yourself in a firm box in order to organize your ideas based on that, which is something that I definitely tried to do a lot growing up and becoming the man that I am today is the way to go. I think you kind of just have to look at all of your heroes, find their flaws and then find their strengths and then attribute them to yourself somehow. Yeah. Yeah. The Cause, whole... cause how I was raised, I, it, it wasn't exact. It wasn't exactly like, like I'm not saying I'm special or I was, or I was or I was raised like, like better than everybody else or that kind of thing. But, but I wouldn't, but if I'm, but where I wanted to get into in life, I like my parents were like support, like supported me on that. And yeah. that's, and that was, and that's like the best thing I could like ever ask for throughout, throughout all these years. Like, like, I mean, I'd get involved. I mean, they'd ask me to like get involved in like a couple of things come just to see if I liked them or not. And like, I would get into it for a while, but but at the end of the day, it all like it always came back to like doing art and drawing and that kind of thing. So, and then and get and getting to a point where it's like I'm an adult and they still and my mom still loves and supports me for doing that and want and wants me to push it further and into where I can get it to like at a professional level and like do and like have and probably like have my own company or something like that or working at like a studio. Like doing this for a living, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it, it literally, it just takes support. Yeah. If, um, if you try and do anything, quote unquote, on your own, you're going to fail. Because the thing is, you don't know enough. 
Even if you're the smartest person on the planet. Or if you, you have or know. if you don't have the energy and drive to like do the thing exactly. that you love, exactly. then you're then you're you're doomed. Yeah. I was I was referring more to like the the idea of like knowing things. Yeah. But then when it comes to the emotional support that any other person who loves you unconditionally can provide, it it's life changing. It's the only way it can be described. Because you genuinely know that I can afford to try things and make mistakes because this person's still gonna love me anyways. Unless unless it's really unless what you're like what you're well, unless the expenses that are that you're going toward where it's like if it's a if it's totally pointless and then I, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 complicated. No, even then, it depends like, it um, depends on the situation and it depends on where the expenses are going. Exactly. Um but I was gonna say even then, like if you spend money um, fruitlessly and just buy things and acquire items, a partner can show you that. And if you don't want to see that, you can either be accepted or coach slowly into becoming like a better partner. Yeah. And that's more or less what everyone really needs. Anyone who thinks that they should not be changed by their partner is wrong. And anyone who thinks that they're already perfect is also wrong. The, the truth of the matter is you are – if you're listening to this podcast or you're a person, you're a person. You have flaws even if you're quote-unquote perfect. Like if, you, if you give to charity and you, you love your husband, your wife, your other, and you have a nice business and you're very professional and you're very precise and you're very – concise you're very everything you you need to be to be a quote-unquote professional person all rolled into one yeah you're still not perfect because there's always an improvement to be made and a partner really helps you to see that because one it's always better to have a second opinion two just just because someone loves you unconditionally doesn't mean they love everything about you and not loving everything about someone is human and I don't think that the way to go is to do the glass wall thing where you just stop seeing it. I also don't think the way to go is to find – is to make them change. I think the way to go is to find a happy middle ground where you're more accepting of the person that they are, but they are more understanding of what you need because that's life. Compromise. Compromise yeah. is literally life. Um, to give an example, let's say that one of your partners hates cooking. And the other partner, I'm saying like in a two-person relationship, and, and your other partner hates doing dishes. Well, if one of you hates cooking less and one of you hates doing dishes less, you got to compromise right there. Yeah. Neither of you is enjoying what you're doing, quote unquote, but you're enjoying it more because you're doing it together and you're enjoying it more because the person appreciates it. Welcome to our relationship TED Talk, ladies yes. and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Um, I've been, me and my wife have an incredible relationship we we're very communicative we're very um accepting of each other we we're very supportive as well like genuinely it's like to the point where sometimes my relationship is so good with my partner that i don't know if it's real you know what i mean when things are going so well you almost feel like this can't be real this is a dream yeah um but to the point like where we earned that because I, I genuinely and her, her and I have talked about this multiple times. I genuinely don't think we work on paper. Like if you look no, at, no, uh, yeah, <laughs> we really don't work on paper. 
Um, because she is a completely different person from me. She's a very, um, she's a very modest, laid back. I'm gonna sit with, I'm gonna sit in my bed and watch the things that I want to watch. I'm gonna read what I want to read. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go do this when I want to do it. And she's very carefree. And all of these things are compliments, by the way. Yeah. Um, I love my wife. Of course, I'm complimenting her. Yeah. My um, last relationship, I was in with uh, somebody like it was. Yeah, like you said, it's like it's un- like like it's unbelievable that this person won, like that this person was real. Yeah. Like uh like the moment like the moment like we started like talking to each other, like like on video chat, chat like already like already after that firm after that first talk, then already I was in love with this person. Yeah. And it's like I and it's like I didn't want to like live live like the rest of reality without this person yeah it's like gravity the yeah. best way i have of describing it is it's like gravity i felt something very similar for for my my wife when i met her um basically it was like something that i didn't understand my entire life was being explained to me in person form because like she made me realize that like my entire concept of what love is and what relationships are and what um physical attraction in all honesty is is wrong because i had this i had an idea and i wouldn't even say that like it was a bad idea i had this idea that you you form a relationship and you do your best to take care of your partner you do your best to take care of yourself and you just kind of like live your life and on paper that sounds correct but really it's it's much more than that um a relationship works best when i'm giving 100 percent to my partner and myself yeah where but where but whereas like from both standpoints you shouldn't expect that person to give them that same that same amount exactly exactly to them um you should never expect that it's the level of it's the level of independence from from each from from each person yes because uh i would consider both i would consider myself and my partner at same time very independent of each other but also um what's the word codependent i wouldn't go i wouldn't go codependent codependent isn't as as terrible as a term has been made to be colloquially codependent just means that you depend on each other that you that you work together that yeah you work best together yeah on Um, some things there should be codependency yes i would say that we have a healthy level of codependency to the point of when she leaves i'm i'm sad like, I want to see her. I want her to be near me. But I also am rational. Like, oh, she's got to go to work. Oh, she's going to spend time with her friends. Oh, she's going to go do this. But I don't get upset. I don't. I, I miss my wife when she's gone is, is what I'm saying. And it could be any, anywhere from she's going to be gone for an hour. She's going to be gone for eight hours. Like, she can be gone for a couple of days. I, I miss her. Like, there are no moments where where you're just like, oh, thank God. Okay, I need a break. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then when she comes back, you're, you're just like, oh, good, she's back. Yeah. Like, um... <laughs> I would say there have been... Like, you're not one of those guys where, where it's just like, oh, thank God. Just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Finally, I have this time to myself, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really like that. I, I do yeah. enjoy my personal time. Um, you I should do... always enjoy your personal time with your girl. Always. Yeah. Take advantage of that. Um, but I don't... I, I don't need her there. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't need her physical presence yeah, I to think be we, happy. Yeah, I think we got the point. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think that's what everyone should be striving for. Yeah. At least from my perspective. Because, yeah. like, we, we, we don't even fight anymore. Like, when you, when you reach a level of communication, you can feel when a disagreement is coming and you address it. Because, like, you really should fight over anything. If something's being brought up and it's a fight, chances are that that person has been thinking about it long enough for it to boil over. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned that I do really bad is I, I really like to... Josh... characters so speaking of all the childhood shows that we were talking about earlier you said you wanted to to call out something that happened recently go ahead uh yeah i uh, want to mention i want to mention the uh, recent passings of uh, two very influential and very legendary comic book artists uh and and though and those guys are uh, george perez and neil adams like if there is a round if there's a mount rushmore of comic book creators Neil Adams and George Perez are definitely up there. Like, like first, I want to talk about Neil Adams because when you look at Neil's work and Neil's work that he's done in the past years, it like it like it looks like iconic moments in comic book history. Mm-hmm. Like, look up like some of the comic book covers that he's done. You've probably seen them, and you and yeah, you and that, that way you know it's him. Like, like he created like he created such character like such memorable characters like Rachel Ghoul, Man Bat, uh, Green Lantern's John Stewart. My my favorite version of Green Lantern. Uh, he literally changed the looks of superheroes in the '60s, and he helped inspire like hundreds of young upcoming artists. Oh hey, uh, yeah, Brandon, if you're listening to this at this point, he did one of the Inhumans um, covers with Black Black Widow. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's very, a Bronze Age. Yeah, one of his very famous ones is uh, Batman the Batman one. Deadman. Yeah, Dead Man's so interesting. Yeah. He, you said he created Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, he created character. Yeah, he created Rachel Ghoul. I mean, he helped create him, but yeah, he's one of the main people that helped that helped like create the character. Okay, for this uh, for Batman two forty four, Neil, I have a question. I know I know you recently passed, but you can answer it in my dreams tonight. Um, why does why is the costume gone? Because back because back then he because back then a lot of a lot of the comic books a lot of the comic books back then were seen as like cartoon and, and kid stuff like did like they wouldn't allow like superheroes to like take off like their shirts and add like features like chest hair or something like that. I know, but in um, this, but in the sixties when but in the sixties when uh, comic books were getting more personal and more realistic. Listic Neil, like people like Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill, another great writer who passed away, way, and all of these other artists during that era, they were helping. They were helping make superheroes more personal and more human. So, so like when Batman, when you would see Batman with like no shirt on and shirt on and have like chest hair and all that stuff, it it gave it like a human element to him, like to these characters. Like you would believe that these that. You would believe that Batman or Green Arrow or Green or Green Lantern would like would exist in real life because of those kind of things that not a lot of people would think about, and it changed and it changed the look of comic books to how they are today. They these guys were like the leading cause of that, and it's and it's beautiful. Um, my point is, he's holding Batman's costume, and it's one piece, but he still has his pants on. Well, well, I think there were. 
I think it was more. I think it was more like a more like man to man, hand to hand combat kind of thing. So no, it was yeah, like you, you still missed my point. He's wearing his pants, but he has his pants in his hand. That's impossible. Oh, oh, that is weird. <laughs> that was my entire point. Like, like, like Neil, you're amazing, and I love you. There's but a, you, you forgot some shot continuity here. There's man. A, yeah, there's he, a continuity error here and there. Yeah, but like, <laughs> put move, but, move the demon lives again part to where Batman's leg is and tilt it slightly, and you, and you have no problem. You know what? We're, you know what? We're we're giving it a pass. because yeah, <laughs> because the image still looks cool. It's yeah. like you forget about that fact. So like never. So yeah. But anyways, but anyways, just the way he, but he just knew how to make dynamic covers that made you want to look, that look inside that book. And one, and once you were, his visual storytelling plus Denny O'Neill's writing, flawless, absolutely flawless. And Neil, and Neil's art was very, was also, was also very realistic too. Just the way he got, just the way he got like a lot of, a lot of like human expressions in there. Like a good example of this would be look up, like look up or like read Green Lantern, Green Arrow number seventy six. That's like a key. They're, that's like a key issue. Their their issue together. Yeah, that's the first time they ever teamed up together, and it's like a very key issue book for comic for comic collectors to go after. Like there's even there's even also a cover uh, cover of like within that w- around that storyline where um like a really influential one that one there oh. where speed where speedy is like speed? get, like speedy is on heroin oh I thought he was on speed no <laughs> I I always no. I always remember making the joke speedy's on speed it's, yeah but like look at that like look at that image right there like look at that that looks really good yeah. Just the level of detail he got into that face alone. I love it's, how it's, art has it's changed for comic books. Oh, but yeah. But I kind of wish they would tone it back just a little bit. Because, um... Well, they kind of have. More or less. No. No, it's okay. Yeah, we can, like, edit these pauses, right? We don't have to, man. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Because um, Dark Knight's death metal... And, and Josh, I know. You know you're about to hate me for this. It's over-designed. I mean, you can tell, I mean, you can tell what's going on. It's got like a, like a heavy metal vibe to it. Yeah, for sure. But like Superman is literally playing, like playing a rock and roll guitar. Superman is playing a guitar on his, his right arm is a doomsday arm. He wait. He reattached. Like, I'm he, sorry. That's Dark Side. His Dark Side's right arm, and he's wearing this like strap on his left arm, and he's got chains around his around his waist. Dude, this is like Todd McFarlane levels of metal. I love this. <laughs> and then and then you've got Wonder Woman. Like, where can I get this poster, please? <laughs> this is cool. And a T Rex. <clears throat> yeah, T Rex Batman is cool. Dude, wait, wait, it's, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. T-Rex Batman? Yeah, it's Batman with... That's um, a thing? Yeah, it's Batman with his uh, brain inside of a T... His mind inside of a T-Rex. Like, how the hell did... What? (laughs) Oh, my God. First Cosmic Ghost Rider, now T-Rex Batman. This is... My God, you learn new things every day. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. um, In case you were wondering, it is a McFarlane. Of well the toy well the toy figure yeah because McFarlane toys 
No, I think it's a McFarlane design. It is? Who designed Dark like for any like for any comic book experts yeah. out there, like go with me on this. So I mean, there's still a lot of things that I don't know about comic books. Like I know enough, but not a lot to where it's like, ooh. So don't get mad at me on this. Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. There we go. Okay. Well, yeah. It, it's which, just too which much. I love those guys. Which I love like, their artwork. I mean, I know comic books have kind of always been a little over designed. If I'm being honest. Yeah. But like. McFarlane kind of like stuff like went in that route, pretty much. But like McFarlane was good. Oh yeah, and he I, was and very, I'm not saying that this art was is very bad. very I'm not dynamic. Saying that this art is bad. Uh, no, I, no, 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 no. That's one thing. That if you're if you're listening to me right now, you're like, I'm a fan of death metal, and I think you're stupid. I'm you can make you can the, make the argument that it's maybe a that in that it's maybe a little too busy, but not yeah. but not that much. Well, because like the comic books are a very visual medium. You need to catch people's you need to catch people's attention. You need to keep people's um, interest, but not like this. Uh, another great example, Captain America, the chest. Oh, that's a, oh, that's, oh yeah, Rob, that's, oh yeah, Rob Liefeld's famous yeah, Rob image Liefeld. of misinterpreting, like, human anatomy. Yes. I found Which, a picture of, of of them like trying to make it look kind pro, of you like, like pro, oh my god like trying to make it and, and make it like trying to have it make sense yeah he, that chest though it's that yeah it's chest, hilarious though. yeah this is insane kudos to those artists that that did that that's that's pretty good oh this person fixed it yeah <laughs> yeah see look at that <laughs> yeah I'm I'm flexing that's why I look like this yep <laughs> it's not because I'm just standing here yeah. But anyways, yeah, Neil Adams, great, I'm a great artist. We're gonna miss you, man. I, but not, but not only are we gonna miss you, we're also gonna miss another, another legend in his own right, uh, George Perez, yeah. which to me was one of the greatest living comic book artists of all time. Yeah, like he worked on a lot, a lot of comics with, with uh, both Marvel and DC. Like we're talking. New Teen Titans, Infinity Gauntlet, Crisis on Infinite Earths, The Avengers, Fantastic Four. Like, there's not one character that this guy hasn't drawn. That's pretty amazing. Like, you couldn't, like, you could give me any random character in, like, within those companies, and, and I can tell you that he's done them. Uh, I recently, I recently, uh, made a, uh, trade with somebody on Instagram, um, um, cause I recently, cause I found out that comic book trading is, is a thing. Yeah. yeah comic, book trading, <laughs> comic book trading is super popular. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I happened to get my hands on a, a sealed, uh, CBCS copy of new teen Titans number two, which, which to those that don't know is the first appearance of Deathstroke, And, and here, and here's the kicker signed by George Perez and Marv and Marv Wolfman. That's pretty sick. Yeah. And uh, I also have it with me right here. Oh, damn, son. Yeah. Oh, damn. Beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> I've never I've never had like a, a sealed I never had like a sealed CGC copy, let alone anything signed by George Perez. Wow. Yeah, and there's an OJ Simpson comic in the back. <laughs> it's probably a different OJ Simpson. 
Uh, it's the same guy. It's a, wait, it's the same guy? It's the same guy. It's the oh, same it OJ. It's the, the time frame works out. He was still an American hero at this point. Yeah. Yeah, on a yeah, on a boot ad. <laughs> Leather boots. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a beautiful book, but I'm just like, oh my god, you have like kids, the- get your free autograph photo of me, OJ, mailed to OJ Dingle, Dingo, PO Box, seven four nine, Clarksville, Tennessee, thirty seven oh four. Advertising Dingo leather boots. <laughs> I, I, those are his boots. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's a completely different time. Yeah, Man. like the moment, like the moment the guy, because the thing was he wanted he wanted my copy of Iron Fist fourteen, which also to those that don't know is a keen essential X Men key issue, which is the first appearance of Saberwolf. Really? Yeah, I had yeah I had a copy of that. He wanted it, and I wanted to see what the books he had, and he had and he had this, like like he he showed me this. And um, a and uh, a Silver Age uh, Shazam book number one, but it was signed by uh, Zachary Le- Levy, the actor who's currently doing Shazam mm-hmm. right now. And I'm like, oh damn, two two signed books. Okay, I'll do that. And they all added up to like the value, the trade value that I was looking for. So I'm like, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> got yourself a deal. <laughs> Does anything for a George Perez signature? I'm there. <laughs> Yeah, but See, I wish I was more of a comic book collector. I I admire yeah, comic books a yeah, lot. Yeah, me too. They're, so, they're it's just such a um, a deep culture to get involved with. Yeah, yeah, especially nowadays with with comic book movies like like making money now more than ever now. So it's like hell yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bit of regrets, but at the same time, it's like yeah, yeah. Getting into comic collecting now is like you really gotta put your put your money into it yeah because it gets expensive because the, the yeah, only get more expensive as they get older because more and more copies get destroyed well not mm. o- well not only that like once like once another like once a fantastic four movie comes out and whether and whether like the x any of the x-men show up in like any of the movies or if or if they're or like if another or for anything really if it's relating to like a certain care appearance of a character or just a solo movie that this character is having, the price of that particular book is going to go up. Yeah. Because... Because... Think of it, the Red X comic. Because the, com- the comics are like these characters' birthplace. Yeah. And this is like the only place to get them. Yeah. And, on, and not only that, in a way, you're playing with the stock market. And it's, yeah, it's pretty a, it's damn a, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same idea that we have with the collision cards in the future. They'll they'll be worth more as they become more valuable as a either a collector's item or as a useful item that you can actually participate in. It's a, it's an evolution of the same idea. Yeah, pretty much. A lot like a lot of people just collect it for the art, or they just collect it because they love the character. Yeah. Or just for many, or just for many reasons, or they collect it just in, just to have it as like a side thing and just want to make money. Just when, yeah. Like either like any either of those excuse is fine. Yeah. yeah. Any of those <laughs> any of those reasons for collecting comics is fine. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, like that looks incredible. Yeah, it is. It's it's beautiful. But but yeah, this is just a sample of like one of George George Perez's masterpieces. But speaking of which, one of my favorite pieces that I've been dying, like really dying to get my hands on, was and was an Avengers 30th anniversary lithograph that featured every hero that had ever been a part of the Avengers. That's insane. Yeah. It's like look at it, like look it up, 
And it's really weird because they even have because on because the, they even have multiple versions of the same character on that lithograph. And this is and this is how insane George Perez is being a detail oriented guy. He had two different versions of the Hulk on there. The other being the Jack Kirby Hulk from Avengers number one, three versions of Thor, four versions of Iron Man. Which with the glass? Which one? Um, it's that one, but um, but um, you're gonna want a clear image. So just what, uh, what what is it called? Thirtieth anniversary. Okay. <clears throat> but anyways, he had. But anyways, he had three versions of Thor, four versions of Iron Man, all of the Captain Marvels, including uh, Carol Danvers in like when she goes supernova and uh, and uh, Miss and Miss Marvel. Uh, Jarvis the Butler was who was on the the Avengers thirtieth emblem. Yeah, that's the one. And characters that I have absolutely no idea who they are, and and the borders around the image are of Hope Van Dyne's The Wasp, but in every one of the costumes that she wore throughout the comics. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Like that's like, like that is the beauty. Uh, like guys like him only come in like a millennium. Yeah, they're they're a they're a rare breed. Yeah, and this is yeah, this guy was love, one of them. I love this Moon Knight image. Yeah, he had only signed he had only signed two hundred and fifty of those pieces, so you know that this was legit. Yeah. I, like I love him. Like he could like this guy. Like he could take any ridiculous looking costume and make it look completely badass. Yeah. Like like one of like one of the examples examples. Um, like you could look at. Didn't he redesign um, Wolverine? Yeah, he yeah he helped redesign he helped redesign Wolverine like. Like the X Men, like the X Men, a lot with like uh, Dave Cockrum and a slew and a slew of others. Others, but uh, yeah, the, like he's like he's definitely up there with like one of my favorite kind of, like artists in general. Like not like not just in comic books, but yeah. Oh, did he do Phoenix? Yeah, he yeah he helped do yeah he helped do the costume of Phoenix. In, and the new Teen Titans, Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Cyborg, like all, like all the big ones. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, yeah, he's incredible, and a bit, and a, and a very, and a really big sweetheart too. Apparently at conventions, which, which, because he loved, because he loved his fan, he, he really loves his fans, and he, and he'll go through, and he'll go to like amazing lengths to like just, to like just show how. Just to like show how kind-hearted this guy was. Like I'm just like, ugh. Every time I went to conventions, I keep regretting not oh, wow. like not meeting this guy. He was in Sanford. Yeah, yeah. One yeah, one comic book. I'm uh, sorry, George Perez. I'm sure it was Florida that killed you. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, no, it was uh, he had he had uh, cancer that he was that he was going through and uh, he, I repeat, Florida. <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> no. Uh, all, genuinely, all due respect, um, he's an incredible person. I was just uh, oh, he, oh yeah. Trying I never, I trying never to met... lighten this situation, despite how light it actually was. Um, what's your favorite character that he designed? Oh, that's tough. That's really, really tough. Um, I would say, I would say, um, um, I would say uh, Simon Williams, uh, uh, Williams, uh, well, Wonder Man. Mm-hmm. Like look, like look up Bride of Ultron. You'll see he looks something like he looks like he, 
he looks like he took the Kwanzaa colors and put it in and put it into a superhero costume. Um, uh, put in, I'll put in Wonder Man right there. Uh, he, there he is. Look at that. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. Thinks, he, thinks the beast, wait, what? What is he saying? Ah. Uh, thinks the beast of all people designed and made it for me. Yeah, the be oh, yeah the beast, beast yeah the beast man like weaved his costume together so that's pretty sick yeah yeah I would say yeah I would say that but at the same but at the same time I but at the same time like I'm stuck between I'm stuck between Wonder Man and the way and the way he drew uh, Thanos for Infinity Gauntlet because that yes yeah. that's an iconic that's an iconic design yeah. Like, um, like before I saw Infinity War, oh, wow. when before that started coming out, coming out, I made I made sure to get a copy of Infinity Gauntlet. He's a seven in an energy projection scale. What yeah. does he do? Inherited his father' industrial mu munitions plant. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's looking up the stats and origins of Wonder Man right now. What are your powers? Actually, give me your powers. Give him superhuman powers. Okay, what? Which ones? Where's the Marvel Wiki? When you need it. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yes. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Simon Williams. Powers and okay. Um, powers and abilities. There we go. There we go. So. They they gave him a four on the intelligence. That's actually really high in in Marvel. Yeah. Um, ionic, energy. ionic energy form. The tissue and bones of his entire body have been augmented in strength and to a certain extent su supplanted by pin particles charged iota in the ionic way ionic ray bombardment procedure. Despite Wonder Man's statements that he is composed of ionic energy, he is actually composed of organic matter that is permeated with this form of energy. Okay, so his body is filled with this crazy energy. Yeah. And he has superhuman strength. Um, his strength extends into his leg. Okay, cool. Uh, he's superhuman speed because of his strength and by propelling energy outside of him. He's like Boros. Um, vulnerability, superhuman agility, reflexes, flight, immortality. Is functionally immortal because of the ionic energy that embodies him. He no longer ages and is immune to disease and infection. That's pretty sick. Self-sustenance. He can survive without oxygen. Regenerative healing. Regen energy manipulation. Um, solid energy constructs. He can make solid energy. He can shapeshift. He can si he can change his um, size. He can recycle different forms of power. And he can teleport. Nice. Um, he's also apparently a stuntman and an excellent actor. <laughs> <clears throat> In case you were wondering what he what he does when he's not wearing the costume, he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Tom Cruise, I watched Top Gun again for the first time in oh like my God. seven years. And yeah. God, I forgot that movie is actually fantastic. Because <laughs> um, like I was making fun of, of just Tom Cruise for so long and all the crazy stuff he does. I and, just by how, and just by how gay that movie is. <laughs> Are you talking about the Tarantino opinion? That's what I call it. 
yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I agree with the Tarantino opinion. If you're barely watching the movie. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the movie and you're like really paying attention and you're dissecting the movie, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it doesn't I'm sure it's make a good... any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but um, I do think that the Tarantino opinion is quite funny because yeah. um, I want to say that Tom Cruise actually likes that. Let's look that up. Oh, oh, I'm sure he does. But but anyway, but anyways, yeah, Jordan. I mean, I'm 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 really gonna miss, i'm really gonna miss george perez i envy the fact that i didn't that i didn't write any letters to him nor did i go up to like his booth and say hi and say hi to him and ask him for like some like some like art advice from him or or any of that kind of stuff because i'm because he was because i'm sure he because i'm sure he was an awesome dude with fans and everything but like there's like you can like like there's like there's always gonna be other talented like artists in like the comic book world and and every and everything like that. But but not a day goes by where there will never be another another artist like Neil Adams or or George Perez. Like like their like their level of talent was incalculable in what they did and what they did to help change the comic book industry and and like to what they did for the look of the comic industry as a whole and it's and where and there's never going to be there's never going to be people like that again and I'm and I'm going to ra- and I'm going to raise my I'm going to raise my imaginary chalice to like to these to these guys Do you want to hear about the director's opinion on Tarantino's opinion? Um uh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> When you make a movie, people can interpret it in any way they want and see something in it that the filmmakers had no idea they were taping. There's a there's a relevance to people's theories because people believe it. Brooking, um, Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer concluded his comment on the controversial reading by adding that, coming from Tarantino, this is a compliment. <laughs> So, um, coming from, to... coming from a gay, from a, coming from a gay director, that's a compliment. <laughs> Tarantino's gay? No. Bruckheimer. Oh. oh, I didn't know that. Oh wait! Oh wait! No. Oh! Oh! Oh my God! No! 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 That's not Jerry. No, they're thinking about Jerry Bruckheimer. Never mind. Never mind. I was okay. thinking of. Uh, I was thinking of Schumacher. Sorry, Schumacher, one hundred percent gay. <laughs> but but Jerry Bruckheimer, maybe maybe, maybe little, he's gay. Maybe a little gay. Maybe maybe gay for Michael Bay. I don't know. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Bruckheimer. Yeah, some of Bruckheimer's movies I'm a fan of. Conair, hell yes. But anyways, anyways, that's another topic in general. But back to Tom Cruise. Speaking of which, um, I recently, uh, my mom and I recently watched um, Reacher on really? Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and How did uh, that go? Did you watch the show or the movie? I wa- I watched the show. Okay. I never saw the movies, which okay. I'll get to that in a moment. the The show, I am like, like here's the thing. I don't watch a lot of movies like I don't watch a lot of movies like uh, Mission like Mission Impossible or uh, or uh, uh, what's that or what are those movies with uh, Matt Damon? Uh, Which uh, movies with Matt Damon? Um, the, the ones that the ones that he's currently the Born, fa- the, the Born, the, the Born movies, yeah. the Jason Bourne movies. I don't watch I don't watch those. And um, I heard about and I heard about Jack Reacher. His name thrown around left and right, but I didn't know what exactly it was. I thought it was just like another, another like basic action movie thing, like Jason Bourne and Mission Impossible, that kind of thing. 
kind of thing. But when I but when I was told but when I was recommended to watch the like this show on Amazon, I'm like I'm like okay, I heard it was pretty good. I was sold, so I'm like okay, let's take a look. And I gotta tell you, this like it is so freaking badass. I loved this show. Like I hated how much I loved the show. Yeah. But this is the kind of stuff that I love in like in like action movies. Because here's the thing, I'm a bit I'm a big fan of those kind of action movies like uh, like like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or the over the top ones. Yeah, the over like the over the top ones. But at the same time, there's a sense of real a bit of a realism to them. Why? Mm-hmm. Like, like I like I will watch Die Hard. Any time of day. Die Hard is surprisingly grounded. Oh, oh yeah, it really is. Because like it's the third yeah, movie. yeah. Because Bruce Willis is always is always the wrong is always the wrong guy at the wrong time. But but somebody like but with somebody like Schwarzenegger, he's always at the right place at the right time. Because he's Arnold's <laughs> fucking Schwarzenegger. Hell yeah, I love though I love those kind of movies. But like this one, there's a there's a good mix of both. Like there's realism to it, but at the same time, you. It's sort of like this fan, like this fantasy, like f- dream where it's like you, where it's like you yourself wished, wished you were this kind of person, just like going, like being this like corn-fed white white boy, just going around snapping necks left and right, like without with no consequences whatsoever, like that, like that is awesome to me. Have like, you heard of Austrian Death Machine? Uh, no. It's an entire band dedicated to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Fucking a, dude. <laughs> that is awesome. But and but anyways, um, but anyways, there were anyways in during throughout the show, it's it's kind of like, like he's kind of like Batman. Okay. In the show, where and and there's a lot of striking similarities to like to Batman in this, where it's mm-hmm. like where it's like he he doesn't wear a mask, mm-hmm. sadly. But but like if he were, I would be like, this is dude, why dude, why wasn't he? Why wasn't this the new Batman movie? Like, come oh, on, do not, do not. But that movie is a masterpiece. It's, uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into that. Just uh, just wait. Um, but any but anyways, but anyways, yeah, he answered. But but yeah, he sometimes he sometimes he has to take orders from this from this black commissioner Gordon. So I'm, in a way. And um, in a way, and this uh, and this female officer who who is who is basically Robin, kind of, but um, but they're all but they're all great characters, and uh, and yeah, they're trying to solve this like thing that's going on in this in this town, and 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 Reacher just ha- and Reacher just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, but somehow he he came run he came at the best time. He come when he did, cause at the same time, his like spoilers like he think like his brother might be involved in it, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna give spoilers as to what as to what happens. But um, but um, I want to talk about but I want to talk about the kills in this. Holy fuck! Are they intense? This they are super intense. Are they like John Wick level? I'd say better than John Wick. Like he doesn't like like he doesn't even use a gun like mm-hmm. at all. Like a majority of the time. It's like, it's like, dude, if, dude, if, if him killing, if him killing bad guys with his hands was even scary, how scary would it be if he had a gun? <laughs> Cause it's like throughout the series, he evolves from, from using his fists to using a melee weapon and a knife. 
and then when he gets his hands on a gun, oh god, you're just like, oh, this, this is, this is really great. Uh, um, but uh, one, but one part in particular where, um, where these group of bad guys are like sneaking into this person's house, no, person's house, but Reacher, but Reacher's there. He's <laughs> he's already beaten him to it. But um, this, but these group of guys, these group of of five guys. Like four of them are going into the are going into this into this person's house. One of them one of them stays in the truck as like a as like an alibi just to yeah as like their getaway, and um and it's raining, raining and everything. And there's a lot of like stealth like stealth moments going on throughout. And Reacher's trying his best not to get caught and trying to get like the upper hand, but but some but somewhere in between him but somewhere in between he's he's got the he's got this like camo camo costume going on and everything and and at some point he puts on a mask and all re- and it it wasn't much wasn't much but it was super awesome it was so close to being like a superhero moment where it's like he puts on like a bat cowl and i'm just like dude that's fucking batman right there hell yeah but um but yeah at some point but at some point he's outside and he's trying to get the upper hand on this on this guy on the guy that's like in the truck just waiting for just waiting for them to finish the job, and at and uh, <clears throat> he uh, and uh, just uh, and and as and yeah, he's sneaking up on him, and and at some point he break he breaks the wind he breaks the wind the car window with his own fist, by the way, and he's trying and he's trying to like pull the pull this guy this driver out of the car through that window. Where it's like, where it's like, this guy didn't do anything. He's, he's killing, he's killing him for us, killing him, by, killing him by association mm-hmm. and everything. And now this is me in the standpoint of like the, of like this guy that's like getting pulled through the window. Like that guy must've been going through like, you know, like as he was experiencing it, he was probably like, what the fuck? Who the fuck? Why did he break the, what the fuck? Get it, get the hell off of me. What the, and he, and he's on the, and he's on the ground and and already in his mind he's probably think he's probably thinking okay uh, okay i don't know who the hell you are but i'm going to but i'm going to kill him but i'm going to beat the shit out of and before the th- the mere thought could conclude mm-hmm. reacher steps on his neck and breaks it damn and and i was and i was like and my mom and i were like in shock and awe and just laughing Oh, laughing at the same time because because already I'm just like that fucking poor piece of shit. <laughs> like he did not know that the Lord was coming and. <laughs> but uh, anyways, yeah, that was there. There's a lot of other great kills in that show, <laughs> just to like calm myself down a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's but yeah, it's a really really good show if you just want if you just like want to see like that like really good action yeah and um and um i want i want to point out a couple things uh one the guy the guy playing uh reacher he's like he like i know like i knew this guy i forget his name right now but he was he was one of the uh he was one of the uh, contestants in uh hunger games mm-hmm. and uh he was Raphael in the michael bay ninja turtles movies oh really yeah which according to him was a bad was a bad experience mm-hmm. which uh, and i saw and i i tend to agree because i'm pretty sure they they were not run so well <laughs> that's man 
but yeah, that Cap- reminded me of the yeah. show. But but anyway, and or movies. And he was all and he was also in the uh, in the the Teen, Titan, Teen Titans uh, show. The Re- new one. Yeah, the new one where he's uh, he plays Hawk. I haven't seen enough of that show. Yeah, I need to watch that show. I've yeah, heard that. Yeah, I've heard it's actually a lot better than the trailer made it out to be. Yeah, more or less. More or but less. But he's but this guy but this guy is like built, and I'm like, dude. You should be fucking Batman, because goddamn. See, I don't think Batman's as big as... I don't like Batman being as big as he is, because Batman's fast. Well, he's... Well, he's... He's fast. He's... Well, he's agile. Yeah, he's agile. But... Have you ever seen a top-heavy gymnast? Yes. I don't see a lot of top heavy heavy gymnasts. I don't know. Um, it's the way it's the way the art is, it's the way the artists draw. I mean, yeah, draw their superheroes create, and everything. It's it's creative um, yeah. design, but I'm saying like from a. So, for instance, um, One Punch Man. Have you seen that? Yeah. So Saitama's physique from the show mm-hmm. is kind of inaccurate, but it makes more sense given how powerful he is. Yeah. Because he would have a runner's body. Yeah. Because he has been doing light. He's been doing light. Um, he's been doing light calisthenics. Mm-hmm. the number's kind of high, but yeah. he's been doing light calisthenics and he's been running. So the the body that he's designed to have in the comic is much slimmer and much less cut is the best way of putting it. Yeah. He, he looks like a, like a, like Goku when they're trying to make Goku look feeble while he's getting beat up. Yeah. He, so that's more or less what I was, what I was referring to. Yeah. Um, I have a problem when it comes to the design, the over design of most characters, because I, I think simple's better. Um, just getting your point across. This is what he does. This is how he looks. You're good to go. Is, yeah. Is the way to do it. But I think the majority of people, like when they're designing for a large project, an important quote unquote, important project, they, um, they put too much into the little things that, while it's super important, and like I'm, I'm not critiquing you by the way, you do this very well. Yeah. Um, they put a lot of time into like the little accessories. Um, my biggest component on this is Korra, Legend of Korra. Legend of Korra, the Korra is so overdesigned that the animation's bad, despite the fact that the animation's better. Watch it again, and you'll understand. Because the fight scenes are not fluid, despite them being fluid, because they're not utilizing the environment around them the way that they used to in Avatar: The Last Airbender. And you may say, like, "Oh, that's a, that's a change in fighting style," but sometimes they do. So, yeah. And it, and you <clears throat> also get like, "Oh, okay, there, she has a more traditional, or there's a more like fast and loose way to fight now, and like things are getting a little bit better." Yeah. But Korra looks so visually. It's impossible to animate Korra, is what I'm trying to say. Because she's got her hair loopies, and then she's got her little skirt loopies, and then she's got her skirt, and then she's got the baggy pants, and then oh. she's got the she's got the she's got the boobies, and the boobies move, and like everything, like everything is moving in the frame at the same time, and it, it's just it's wasting money, is what I'm trying to say. Because Korra is great the first season. I personally really love the first season of Korra and the first half of the first of the second season of Korra a lot. Right. I think they're both pretty good, but um. You noticed it in the fourth season when they got their animation budget cut in half? They took away all that stuff from Korra. Yeesh. So they were wasting money that could have been used to make even more beautiful visual designs for everything to make Korra look badass. Me personally, I think I think what I think which I think any anime like animated project, whether it be for like a movie or a show, like like give like give them like give them a really really good budget 
it, oh. like because they all because they all deserve it. I mean, depending, I do, I do agree. I mean, with depending you. on depending on the style. Yeah, because like if you're going for like a cheap, because if you're going like the cheap route and you want it to be like a very very simplistic style, yeah, that kind of thing. Like I'm not so like I'm not saying like I'm not saying I'm against like like minimal like minimal design like cartoon shows because I look because I love Gravity Falls, Adventure well, Time, and Steven Universe. And, see. I actually think American cartoons do it better. And here's what I'm saying. Let me explain. They do, my... they do it better now. No. No. I think American cartoons do it better. Go back and watch Hanna-Barbera. Oh, yeah. Oh. What's the center of frame? Um, it's all, like, it's always, like, the, it's always, like, the, it's always, like, that side corner profile, pretty much. It's always the character. It's always the character. Yeah. What's going on in the background? Um, not, not shit. Yeah, a ton of yeah, a ton of stuff, but but it's very but it's very cheaply it's very cheaply animated. You forget how how good Anna Barbera Hanna Barbera actually was then, because um, Hanna Barbera cartoons, not Hanna Barbera herself, um, was themselves. Them, was it a them? Yeah, sorry, it's ja- even... yeah, it's Jack it's Jack Hanna and uh, and Jack Hanna and Joseph Barbera. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was a it was a team. I thought Hanna Barbera was a person. So no, I'm no. I'm a little uneducated on this. I'm just particularly referring to my personal view of what they look like. I'm not a huge talking Hanna- to someone that doesn't know much about Hanna Barbera. I say, mm. but um, <laughs> you're good. You're good. The important th- I I do think that you're that you're misremembering it though because yeah. the Hanna Barbera cartoons. If you look at them, and then you look at this. Not Studio Ghibli. Never compare anything to Studio Ghibli. Never. Um, but if you look at Japanese animation of from the time and modern time, and you compare it to Hanna Barbera, you'll notice that it has the same balance that I feel has been lost in anime. Really? Yes. Because um, in in Hanna Barbera shows, especially the Scooby Doo cartoon, I am looking at the characters. the The environment is a lived in world that exists beyond the characters themselves, while the majority of anime that I watch, maybe I'm watching the wrong anime, the the character is a piece of the puzzle that is being displayed altogether, and the world that you're being presented in sometimes only feels like it exists on the page. Does that make sense? Hmm. The world of the world of Scooby Doo makes people wonder how are these kids going around doing all of these things without any money or without any funding. You don't wonder how Blue Exorcist is getting paid to go to his demon slaying school because it just is. Yeah, it just exists in it this exists. in this world that they created. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm personally of the camp, and I could very well be wrong, that an image or an animation or a story should feel as though it existed before you got there, and that it it continued to exist after you left and that you simply were able to peer into a moment in time that was important. So, so I think kind Hannah of like, does yeah. that better is what I'm trying to say because she has, they have, I'm sorry, you're right. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a group. When I first said, when I first said they, and I, you I, thought it was a she at first. No, and I'm th- like, no, at first I got really worried that I misgendered someone because um, <laughs> that's definitely something I don't want to do right yeah. now. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my opinion. Because, like, the thing about Scooby-Doo, especially... I really love Scooby-Doo. It was one of my favorite shows growing up. Oh, um, yeah. Especially the 80s version of Scooby-Doo. I think that was prime Scooby-Doo. Um, because when Shaggy's running, you can feel the motion. Yeah. When 
um, a person's coming down the, the hallway to get the guys, even though it's campy, you can feel what they're feeling a little bit. Like, Hanna-Barbera's company managed to do something that I think that very few companies in general can do, and that's perfect the Avatar formula, where the first series of Avatar, The Last Airbender, it's a children's cartoon. You and I can agree on that. Oh, yeah. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It it's, grows. But it's the, very It's very adult. Yeah, it's very adult. Yeah. It's, um, it was made for children, but as you grow up, First off, Aang and Aang and the other characters do mature significantly. Well, actually, I wouldn't actually let me take that back. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Avatar is like strictly like strictly for kids. It 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 fits the it reaches the demographic of both kids and young that's, adults. That's exactly where I'm going. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, the Avatar was marketed if you if you were to put a number on it from eight to fourteen year olds, preferably boys. Yeah, and, and maybe. that's based that's basically yeah. based on. The first season of Avatar, look at Katara's character, look and there's at Sokka's a, yeah. character, and look at Aang's character. And there's an even amount of female characters in yes. there for for girl for yes. like women so to get into they, it too. They wanted, I think, they wanted to cast as wide a net as possible, and they did. But uh, I think they're dim- like if they were sitting down and they were talking about like how you and I have discussed, what's the demographic for Collision Gate? I think it's from fourteen. Uh, I think it's from fourteen to fourteen to twenty six. Yeah, I think that that's. I think you should not be too much younger playing the game because it's kind of complicated and our, some of our themes get a little too mature. And I think if you're much older than the game, you're, you're playing it ju- truly because you just enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but I think like Avatar, probably like 8 to 15. Uh, I don't know exactly. I would guess like 8 to 15, somewhere around that range was their target demographic. Yeah, the same age range that, range that, uh, that people that, – that like kids would watch watch like say like say Batman or Justice League or any Justice League or like or like hell Animaniacs any of those shows. Yeah. So the thing that Avatar did though is they didn't teach the kids like they were children. They didn't treat the children like children that were watching their show. They treated them like growing adults. You can introduce mature mature themes and progress upon them but talk about but like explain it in a creatively simplistic yes. way that not a lot of people would think about exactly for them to talk about to to put into perspective how does avatar start um it's um, um it starts out with started. genocide well yeah with genocide yeah and what's the- Wait, yeah both it being established in the in- throughout the intro yep but but as it starts out, it's mostly just it's mostly just a tribe, a couple of kids yep. from that tribe. How does it end? Um, it ends when it ends with them going. It ends with them going going with it, going with Aang and an attempt at genocide. That's that was my point. You're you're also correct. But yeah. my point was it starts with it starts with genocide. Yeah. Because Aang wasn't there to save them, quote unquote, and it ends with Aang preventing genocide. Yeah. That is such a complex and emotionally variable subject yeah but here's the thing they they, did well. they've towned yeah they it's, do it really yeah, well. it's another way of doing it well yeah. but there are other but there are other animated mediums that have done that have done that same thing as well yeah no, Actually, not just not just animation but live action too yeah yeah um but like star wars yes that's just, literally when they literally uh, did that but you can assume it's like depends it, on which star wars you're talking about um, the original trilogy boy uh, depends on which star wars you're talking about the first movie was made for everybody. The second movie was made for, for, made for the, male Okay, boys. okay. Let's, okay. A New Hope. Yeah, it's, it's for everybody. Yeah. It's new Hope's for everybody. Like, um, a New Hope, like, A New Hope, 
it literally, like, you literally, it doesn't, they don't say they caught him, they caused gen, they caused, or they caused genocide, or caused genocide, or they may, or they may stop. Wait, they don't say that they caused genocide, but the idea is there. Where it's like, you, you assume, yeah. You see genocide happen. Yeah, you see genocide. They literally blew up a planet. Yeah, they blew up a planet, and, um, okay, so... I get what I get your point now, and I do agree with you. I take take back my earlier point because I thought we were talking about something else. Yeah. Um, yes, it's for everyone in the sense that it's covering very complex topics in a way that is sensitive to the individual. Yeah. So, um, a, a good example is is the Death Star blowing up. You hear, or not the Death Star blowing up. The Death Star blowing up. Um, Carol. How did I? What? Oh my god. Don't tell me. Uh, how did I? How Twitter did I is going. I gotta go yeah, after Twitter you is gonna go, wait, on this. Cor- is, it was Coruscant. Was Coruscant blown up? No. It was Al- her homework. Alderaan. Oh, Coruscant's the um where they do all the meetings. Dude, um, there are gonna be mobs rushing at your door with pikes and. I don't think right Star Wars is as good as everyone says it is, and if you believe that it is, you should rework your opinion and then rewatch it. Oh boy, we're going there now. <laughs> I, I think Star Wars is great. I, I think it's a great, yeah. great series. Yeah, I think I think it's a very well told story. But it's not perfect. to a child. Yeah, to but a child. No, because it's the same story being told over and over again. Well, with an exception of Empire Strikes Back. No, it's the first. It's the first. It's, it's a character. It's a character dive. On that, who? For for who? For for Leia, Han Solo, Luke. Are you sure? Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. And Darth. Yeah, and Darth how Vader. Does, how does Luke change during Empire? Okay, that's a different. Okay, that's a different thing. But he's learning the ways of the Force. Okay. How does and Leia- learning and learning his identity, uh, learning how his, his identity of who he is and who his father is. I do. I agree that and Luke- that changes him entirely 100%. in the third movie. I understand. And I- you see that in the third movie. Yes. So we agree that Luke has a good story. Yes. He has a good character arc. Yes. What's Han's character arc? Han's character arc... Don't include Solo, by the way. I I Doesn't wouldn't. Exist. I would not. Because <laughs> I never saw that movie. Actually, actually, no, I take it back. I did see it. The only part that I did like about in Solo was, was the badass Tilda Swinton droid. Which, let's face it, we all need more of her. Yes. She was awesome. But, but answer my question, though. What is Han's character arc in the in in uh, the Empire Strikes Back? Well, he's while well, he's going through it. Well, he's going through sort of a conflict where it's like he where it's like he doesn't know whether to go whether to go back and pay his debt to Jabba or like stay or or stay with or stay with Leia. That's or something the like that. first he's, movie. No, he no. His main part. No, he was hired on. He had mm-hmm. no. He was hired on by by a Jedi and some and some sand farmer. Okay. He had no idea what he was getting into. I mean, kind they of. literally lied to him. They and he was he was only there for the money. But then he but then at the very last minute he but then at the very last minute he was like, you know what you know what what the hell not why the hell not I'll stay. Okay, so but in this one Let's yeah go he's going Hans. through some conflict he's going through some conflicting like like emotions and like. And like this what is, he's going through right now, this he is doesn't get, know whether to stay with his friends or pay his or leave and pay his debt to Java. This is going to get crazy. Um, this is Han's story. Han is a smuggler. We agree on that. Yeah, he's a badass. We agree on that. He's super cool. We agree on all that. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, he is being hired by Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi to transfer joy- droids across the galaxy. Yeah. Okay. So he's told that there's nothing wrong with the droids or anything like that. We agree on that. He, he doesn't know what he's signing up for. Mm-hmm. But he goes through the same arc in the first movie as he does in the third movie. How so? He's trying to decide if he needs to, if money is more important to him right now than in the um, than the morality that he has that he has, and he makes the decision to choose morality over over furthering his own his own causes. Well, yeah, but any regular person would have that would have that kind of conflict too. No, I I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I didn't say that it was bad. I said I'm not, that it was I'm not the saying... same same story being told over and over again, and I'm and I'm correct. Even though even though it's I mean, yeah, even though it feels and sounds like it's the same arc, but you but the emotions are different. No, not for Han Solo, not for Leia, for for Luke, yes. The first movie is all about who am I? I you're a Jedi, Luke. You you like your father before uh, you're a Jedi and a Jedi is a hero and you're going to be a hero. Yeah. Beautiful. Second movie, I really like. It's all about there's another Death Star. It makes sense. It it the second movie is all about evil continues. Yeah. And it must be stuffed snuffed out through ultimate means, essentially. Yeah. And then you meet the the wise master again. Well, then, another wise master, yeah. Yes. Then what happens at the end of that movie? At the end of that movie, Han like Han's like Han's frozen cryogenically, he's brought to Why? Jabba. Why? I yeah, I mean, because... He couldn't pay his bets, his debts to Jabba because he was helping the Resistance. Well, no, they were mostly in... No, Boba was still, like, was hired on to find to find those guys. No, 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 you're, you're correct. Um, we Vader, didn't, we didn't know hired, until, we didn't know until later that Boba Fett was hired on by Jabba. You learned that at the start of the, of the second, at the start of the third movie. Yeah. Yes, but that was already a plot point. Yeah. Okay, so... You know that Han owes Jabba money. He's mentions that in the first movie. Yeah. That's why he's taking this this mission on to begin with. Yeah. You know that Boba Fett is on the hunt for all of them mm-hmm. and no disintegrations. That's an important line. Yeah. Next movie, Boba Fett's still there. Still hunting them. Mm-hmm. But for a different person. And you don't they don't tell you. Wait. Wait, who was he? Wait, who was he hunting? I thought he, he was went, hunting Han Solo. You you just talked about that. How 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 Jabba, which we didn't know, paid Boba Fett to continue hunting the uh, Han Solo to fix his debts. The only reason that Han is in debt is because he was running around with the um, rebels, and he wasn't doing that. And wasn't doing that before. Before in, he was in New Hope. I'm still talking about the New Hope. The only, the only, the only thing that happened is he. I mean, owes like, Jabba I mean, like Han Solo. He wasn't fighting. He wasn't involved with the rebels at that point. In no, not at all. We agree on that. So he he borrowed money from Jabba. We don't know how long ago. Yeah. We don't know if this is a regular thing. It's implied that it's not, because he's like, oh, I need to pay Jabba back right now. Like, yeah. he, it's something that he knows is super important that he needs to get done. Oh yeah. And then our hero detracts him from it, and then he's punished for it. Yeah. Okay, and then the third movie is all about him deciding if he wants to be a hero, which he does decide to do, just like at the begin, just like the end of the second movie or the end of the first movie. Yeah. Once again, I'm not saying that any of this is bad. I'm just saying it's not as good as everyone 
makes it out to be because it's the same story being told over and over and over again well yeah but it didn't yeah but it went in but the second movie did it in a different direction they went in until revenge of the jedi to do the same to do the same story over and over um but then the prequels you mean revenge of the sith yeah no return of the jedi no revenge of the revenge of the sith is part of the prequels I know that's why I thought you. That's why I thought you were making a different point. No, no, so, no, 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 no. What's no. the plot of the first movie? Okay. Am I a Jedi? I want to be a Jedi. Blow up a Death Star. Yeah. What's the plot of the second movie? Plot of the second movie: the running away and the running away from the Empire, mm-hmm. and the running away from the Empire. Lucas discovering who he like who he like who like what who he is as a person. Like yeah, he's discovering what it means to be a Jedi. Yeah, the what it means to be a Jedi, and also himself. who he is as a person. Less like, so, but yes. A, less so, but yes. What do you What do you mean, less so than yes? See, like, what it mean, like, who he is as like a Skywalker, you know? Once again, less so, but yes. Okay. Because um, the the second movie, and maybe I just recently rewatched them, so this is the main reason I've been thinking about this so much. The second movie is more or less about what it means to be a Jedi. The first movie is what it means to be a hero, and the third movie is what it means to be Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That's essentially how I see the mo- those three movies. Okay. In a self-contained block. Yeah. Okay. But then again, it's also about Vader and Vader's story and the path that he went on. Yeah. Okay. That's that. It's once again the same yeah, it's story. A, yeah, it's a small side plot, but it's yeah. once again the same story, except they changed the ending. Instead of Luke, instead of Luke overcoming the Emperor, Vader falls to him. It's the same story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. And then the the first movie is the first movie. The episode one is the first movie, but instead of it being Luke Skywalker, it's Anakin Skywalker, and he doesn't have the Force yet. Yep. And then the second movie is the first one where I'm like, this is really original. No, the second because well, the second two. one the second one was pointless. It didn't need to be there. Attack Separatists. of the Attack of the Clones. Separatists. Yeah. You wouldn't know what was going on. Well, then again, this is based on the third one existing. So you do have a strong point. Um, you wouldn't know what was going on with the Separatists in episode three if you did not watch Attack of the Clones. I would make the argument that that if you just that if you just watch it from Revenge of the Sith and then and then and then resume watching it through like through there, like like the and then watch the original trilogy from like from there. Oh, so you think you wouldn't miss anything. You think 3 4 you say 3 4 5 6 yeah. is is a really good. I don't disagree I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. I also really like episodes I'm 1 get and shit on. episodes 1 and 2 even like like I both really of those like movies like both of those movies have cool have cool sequences that happen yeah. but not but not a lot of important stuff. That's I strongly happening. disagree. I strongly disagree because um nah. the first movie is all about finding uh, Anakin. We can agree that that's kind of less of a thing. It's not really important. It just kind of sets up the story that Anakin exists. You, we didn't need to know that. We already knew Anakin exists. We yeah, didn't need but, a prequel about Anakin. We agree there. Well, you. Well, I would say. Uh, well, I would say Revenge of the Sith explained explained things much better. Because uh, we're getting there. Like going like going from the original trilogy and into the prequels. You all like. Just by from the stories that Obi that Obi Wan was was telling Luke about his father, you could piece it in your head and you would get it. Yeah. And in Revenge, and it's like in the first two movies, 
you first two movies you don't see him like you don't see him as like a skill as like a skilled pilot or fighter you do get it of him of him doing the pod racing and all that stuff yeah. and all that stuff and him like developing like like how Darth Vader comes to be and everything that's but the it's entire like, but it's but there's but those moments are like small and in between because there's a lot of other stuff going on and a lot of political talks and all that in Revenge of the Sith you get you get more of that there okay. he's like you get I, all of that important stuff that here. I still don't disagree with you. They fight him. like they fight in a volcano. He's a skill. He's a skill. He's a very like super skilled like skilled pilot and mm -hmm. everything. And the and the emotions and turmoil of what he's going through with like with the Jedi Council and Padme and him and him like deciding what side to be on and everything and like and like going and like causing mass genocide to every to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's you get all of that. Yes, you do. Rather than the first, rather than episodes one and two. Okay, why is why is Anakin evil? Because he does. Because he doesn't want. Because he's because he's tired of he's tired of slavery. He doesn't want to do. He doesn't want the same thing to happen. He doesn't want the same thing to happen to what happened with his mom. Okay, then and if everything. you take the first movie, and he out, does, you don't and know he that. and he and he loves Padme, and he. And he'll do anything, and he'll do anything by any means to yep. like protect her. No, no, we we completely agree. Yeah. If you take the first movie out, you don't know that. No, you don't. You don't know that his mom, his mom was a slave, and that he wanted to save her, but he couldn't, and that the Jedi prevented that from happening. But you would still, but you would still understand his motivation with him and Padme. Yeah. But and he would, and there are you, no. and there are moments where he talks about his mom. Exactly. But so and you, you take, would get the idea if you take the second movie out. And you just start with the third movie. Why are these two in love? You you would all you could already piece together that they were in a relationship and they were in love. Okay, so it would, it would be established that he's where it's like he's in the Jedi Council, love it like be, like falling in love or having kids with kids behind the behind the Jedi Council's back is forbidden. But you would get that. It's literally in the beginning of the movie when they come back on Coruscant. Yeah, no, no, you're still one hundred percent right. But here's the thing. That would make too long of a movie. It's the Revenge of the Sith does not stand on its own because the Revenge of the Sith um, is the completion of an entire plotline we haven't even mentioned from the first two movies, the Emperor's rise to power, and yeah. you don't get enough of that from the third movie because all you see is his plans coming together, and you don't really realize how much of a conniving piece of shit he really is unless you watch the first two movies too. That that's true, but the, at the same time you wouldn't. But at the same time you would still get it from the third movie. Kinda, because there and are because there are moments where he where he is, yeah. and it's and it's all and since it's all coming together to this moment, and and it's all and it's like you would already assume that he's that he's been doing that he's been like putting like doing all this sneaky stuff behind like behind like all the. Politi all like the political officers stuffs back and everything. He's slowly built. He's slowly been building it up and everything. Consumers don't like to assume things. Consumers like to be shown. Consumers like to essentially be told the answer, but to feel like they found it themselves. Does that make sense? But if you're but if you're a fan of Star Wars, it like but it would all Star piece together. Star Wars isn't for Star Wars fans, and anyone that says that it is is wrong. Star Wars is for everyone. Yes, it's always been for everyone, and always. it's trying to reach as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. That's why one, two, and three exist. Because yeah. I think that there's a very common misconception about one, two, and three. It's not about Anakin. It's about Anakin and the Emperor. It's about the Emperor's rise to power and Anakin's fall from it, or fall from grace. Yeah. 
And I don't think that three, despite the amazing acting that the Emperor does pull off in that film, gives you enough Emperor. And I'm, I'm ignoring mm. unlimited, I'm ignoring the unlimited power scene. He was told to act that way. I no, he was having a, no. Ian McDermott was having a ball. Yeah, he was every, in every one of the movies he, he was, was in. He was chewing the scene and everything, and everything he did. So once again, I never I'm not I never once said that the movies are bad. I never once said that the movies aren't great. I've actually said multiple times that I think the movies are great. Oh, oh I know, I know. I I'm still, I'm still on, I'm still on your mind. I'm still on what you're, what I'm like what you're giving. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying is that three, four, and five. I'm sorry, four, five, and six are the same story. Three is just six reversed. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. One is just four. But you change the characters. It even takes place on the same... Even The first half of it even takes place on the same planet. Tatooine. I, yeah. Yeah. The second movie is the only one where almost every plot point is original. And it's the one that everyone hates. Well, yeah, because it's boring. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a, it's a massive political drama that, that essentially critiques the idea of the free market. Yeah. It's boring to some people, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that's why they don't work. That's why Star Wars died. Because nobody, nobody wants to hear about the political... I mean, you can, but it's like, if that's throughout the entirety of the movie and nothing and nothing awesome is happening, aside from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Muppet, then what the hell then what the hell is the point? What's the point of Star Wars? Is it the hero's journey? Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Then you just go watch King Arthur. It looks it's it's more grounded. Or you can watch or you can watch any of the other or you can watch any of the other like movies like delving into like the grim into like the Greek philosophies yeah. or any or any of the superhero movies. So we agree that it's or not... any or any other movie that has that has like a hero arc. Yeah. So we we can kind of agree or at least attempt to see eye to eye that it's not about the hero's journey. It's about Star Wars. It's about the world. Yeah. Disney forgot that. George Lucas didn't. Oh, is this where we're going? No. Are we really going into this? No, no, I'm, I'm not, we're not going into that. What, what I'm saying is that, because um, I also, I genuinely like almost every Star Wars movie. I do not like Solo, and I do not like um, The Last Jedi. I think that if The Last... Um, oh boy, here we go. And, and Rise of Skywalker. I personally think that if you if you wrote eight, or I'm sorry, if you wrote seven, and then you wrote eight, and then you never ended it, it'd be a more complete story than with nine involved. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think that if you do watch the series while skipping Han Solo from first to last, and The Last Jedi is the last movie, it's a complete story. And I know, and and uh, I could tell, and I could tell, like, you didn't mention Rogue One because you know, because already I'm like, yeah, you needed Rogue One. There we go. Rogue One's very important. <laughs> yeah. Rogue One's very important to tying the story together. Yeah. Um, well, mostly, well, mostly in the, mostly in the said, last third. All that being said, that the last Jedi awesome. is my least favorite Star Wars movie of all. Nah, they waste forty-five minutes of my fucking time. No, Rise of Skywalker wasted my time more. <laughs> At least there's a plot. What's the plot of fucking the last Jedi, or not? The, 
Yeah, the, or yeah. It's it's M. It, they're they're literally doing Empire Strikes Back again. No, close, very close, very close. It's even worse than that. It's the plot of Empire Strike Back, but instead of them going to a detour to an important place, they go they detour nowhere. Yeah. The casino planet is forty five minutes of nothing. Well, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. It, there, it does not further the plot. It literally introduces a villain who betrays them to just have that villain get killed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but but there's still but there's still some but Last Jedi looks better. Oh yeah, for sure. It, no, Last Jedi looks good. Yeah. Like Last Jedi in all honesty isn't that bad. Like it's literally yeah, just a 45 exactly. minute Exactly. It's the 45 minute casino scene that It's just me that off. it's just that portion yes. and the direct and the direction I, that was given to all three of those movies. I am angry. Like, this could have been planned better. I'm angry that Palpatine is Ray's grandfather. Because they didn't need to be related. They didn't need to be related. She yeah. didn't need to be related to anyone. Luke Luke and, did not need to be related to anyone. Anakin wasn't. Yeah. Like literally he just had a mom. Yeah, he, he was he, born through the Force. You could have just used that line again. Yeah, you could have just much. used that fucking line again. Yeah, you could have done anything, but instead, you're gonna make her Palpatine's grandfather. And when she gets angry, she shoots lightning out of her fucking fingers, and then doesn't feel anything about it. Okay, this is getting heated. So um, I always but, get heated when I talk about Star Wars. Yeah, because my my opinion does. on <laughs> my opinion on Star Wars is really weird. Because like, I don't think the prequels are bad. I just think they're different, and that people didn't like it. I'll I'll just say this after watching Clone Wars, my thoughts on the prequels has like has like soured a bit because it's so because well the thing is because clone the thing is Clone Wars had like like had like made me realize what George Lucas was trying to do with the prequels and I have some bad news. and I'm not and I'm not saying and and here's the thing the prequels are still not good they are not good by any means. But there are some things within the prequels that are good in their own right. But the prequels and the Clone Wars are their are their very own separate things entirely. So I so because I I will never because I can never fully understand what goes on in George Lucas's mindset. How he does how he did things yeah how he did things is beyond me. So that was all him. That was his. That was his decision. He had all the freedom that he needed when doing those prequels, when having zero help, zero help from any of his friends whatsoever. This was all him. I'm just uh, wait, like wait, I'm wait, happy. Wait, are we talking about we talking about Clone Wars? Pre- like, like I'm talking about like like how the prequels and the Clone Wars are like their own things separately, but okay. they're revolving around this, revolving around, around the, the same, same idea. Thing. Yeah, they do. They do <clears throat> theoretically link seamlessly. Yes, they do. Um, if you can ignore the fact that Ahsoka doesn't exist within episode three and just assume that what happened with her in the Clone Wars yeah. is just continuing to be true. Yes. They they work together seamlessly, but I have I have an important detail to tell you. Oh boy, here we go. Lucas didn't like write Clone Wars. He was hmm? executive Lucas didn't write Clone Wars. That yeah, was he was a, yeah, he was executive producer. Do you know what was, that means? He yeah, he yeah, he had much in yeah, but it's like it's like with uh, it's like when that Bumblebee movie came out. But and Michael Bay and Michael Bay was executive producer. He had very little to do with it and yeah. was just going in like, you guys go on, you guys still on budget? Yeah? Okay, good. See you. That's pretty much so what it is. <laughs> we agree. And and the same thing when whenever a move whenever a new movie comes out and it says that Steven Spielberg is the executive producer. That 
he had he has very little involvement and he's just making sure everything's on budget cool laters so we agree that clone wars is like a nine out of ten i i put it at a ten out okay. of ten i i was, it was being conservative clone wars yeah. is a ten out of ten for me yeah george lucas wrote every movie yeah he did he wrote midichlorians yeah he wrote younglings that, yeah, that was on the pre. Yeah, that was in the prequels. Yeah, he had he had no, no he had no, no help. No, 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 it was no, no, mostly no. him and his vision, and that was it. Wait, wait, wait I'm not wait. saying it was good. No, no, no. But I, it was I'm his making, vision, and I give him credit for no, no, that. No, no, I'm making a particular, like a specific point. He wrote Metaclorians before he knew that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. I I would I would agree it was that in he the did. Original draft. It was yes. Oh, how about that? The original draft of Star Wars was rewritten by six people. Yeah, trying to make sense of it. Yes. The first time it was rewritten, it was shut down for copyright. Because it was Dune. Yeah. The second time it was rewritten is because well, yeah. George, George yeah, Lucas I'll... can't write characters. No, he can't. <laughs> Third time it was rewritten, and this is where my knowledge on this is And it shows ends. in A New Hope. Yes. Uh, the, third, the third reason it was rewritten is because it was just... Um, King Arthur's story, but with lightsabers. Yeah, pretty much. And from that those points on, I don't know why. I knew that it was rewritten by I knew it was rewritten with George Lucas six times with mm-hmm. different people. And um, then the movie was made, and then he left, and he was like, "This movie's not going to be good." And then he came back, and it was sensational. It tells me something about George Lucas. Yeah, you're starting to. He's be, an idea guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> He's an idea guy because well, like, all of his well, ideas, like po- <laughs> all of his ideas are really good. Because Clone Wars was his idea. Well, it's like poetry; it rhymes. <laughs> no, no, George Lucas. <laughs> Rhyming and doing the same thing with different characters in a different time period are not the same thing. <laughs> they are not the same thing. And uh, that, all that being said, like I would like to reiterate everything that I just critiqued. I'm a fan of Star Wars. Like, I have a Boba Fett bobble pop. Like, what? I, like, I, own, I own like seven pops. One of them is Boba Fett. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. He's one of my favorite design characters of all time. I love, um, I love the original trilogy. I think it's great. I actually like the original, the, the prequel trilogy. I think they're fine. Um, I don't hate Disney Star Wars until the third movie came out. And then I think it retroactively made the other two way worse because it, it, like it just like wasn't it just wasn't pro- it just wasn't properly planned yes i think the force awakens was amazing yeah like and maybe it's because it was my first time seeing a star wars movie in theaters it was just see it was just seeing it was just seeing star wars back in its roots yes it was and i personally i i not i don't even actually have a problem with them all being essentially the same plot I was like, I was just like, I was just upset by, I was just mostly upset by why, by like the character, by like the character direction and everything. So that's just like where they were just where the characters went in the movies. And I'm just like, dude, come on. So that's, that's how all of this ties together. Like, let me, like, let me put it this way. Like when I first saw Force Awakens and I saw, and I saw the, and I was introduced to these characters, I was, I was sold. Like I didn't like I didn't care I didn't care by how little screen I didn't care by how how little screen time Poe got I I I thought how he and Finn like worked off each other I'm like oh cool they're awesome together and how and how Finn and what and and how Finn and Ray worked off each other I'm like 
I love I love these guys. I don't want to see I don't want to see anything happen to them. Exactly. And yeah. and near the end of, and near the end of the movie, I was like piecing together like, oh shit, are they? Are Finn are Finn and Ray gonna be together or something? And I never thought that. I I, I don't I, I really wow. No, I never thought that. Really? Wow. Their their relationship Bro, always seemed platonic to me. Even in the I last mean, movie. I mean, whether platonic or not, it still would have been great if they if they like got together or something like that. Because then through because then. In then the rest of the movies, I, w- I would have been like, oh shit, an inter like an interracial couple, and they're both Jedi's, fucking sweet dude. That, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, but, um, that would be really cool. But it's like, be, nope. Really cool, but it's like they, it's like Poe and Finn were were like had nothing to do. Yeah, that, that's the and that, they put most of their focus on Ray and everything, which I get it. That's the point that I wish. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh god, this could have been better, man. I was like, I was mostly upset. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was, I was pissed, but it was mostly in a way where I was like, I was pissed, but I was laughing my ass off by how ridiculous this was. So, so I'm just, so really, I'm just on the fence with it, with a lot of things now, especially with Star Wars, because, because I know Star, I know Star Wars is never going to be perfect to a lot of people, and to a lot of people from what they're saying it is, and at the same time, I'm just, I'm just gonna look at them like. Come on, guys! Put really, it, put it into perspective. If you if you think that any medium that you believe in and that you love is perfect, this is what I would like to say. And I'm just a guy on the internet. And there's nothing wrong with those people on that mindset. You go ahead no, and love whatever you want. No, no. But I, but I'm not gonna stand idly by and say that there's a problem with this certain thing where it's like it won't make sense. No, but at the same time, go go ahead. You love it for what it is. That's fine. Okay. So based on what I think you just said. It, there is something very wrong with someone thinking that anything is perfect. Um, my point is that nothing is perfect. And my example of it is many, many, many series were directly inspired by Dune, which is my personal favorite series of all time. Yeah. Dune is nearly perfect. Nearly. However, if I could bring Frank Herbert back from the dead <laughs> and have him finish the series... And he finished it, and I thought it was perfect. I would still have questions. But what? But what if he was? But if he did it long enough to where there would be stuff that wouldn't that wouldn't make any sense no, to no, his no. previous that's stuff. The, that's the that's the thing, though. Frank Herbert, as far as I'm aware, in his original seven books, I'm sorry, original six, his original six books never contradicts himself. Okay. 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 But. There's still a lot of issues with that series. Yes. Why are Chani and Paul so in love? <laughs> like, I get it. I do a little bit from Paul's perspective. But Chani has no agency. No, she doesn't. <laughs> She's just a person that kind of sits there. But you can write Jessica to be... This amazing human being who's just like almost beyond comprehension and then give her a weakness of love and all this kind of stuff and, and just write this incredible story. But what the fuck were you thinking when you wrote Chani? Like, seriously, I want to ask him. Like, did you meet like an Indian woman who you were attracted to and you didn't know anything about her? So you just gave her no character so that way you could self-fulfill your own prophecy or what? Just an... Just an or self-fulfill your own fantasy? I mean, just an, emo- just an emotionless... Like person with no agency, zero flaws, but just but it's just there because she because she likes fighting for the cause. 
but you don't even get that in the book. No, Chani no, makes, you don't. <laughs> Chani makes children. That's what she does in that book. She makes babies. She's a sperm bank, essentially, um, or a, a, whatever, whatever phrase you want to use. No, yeah, um, yeah, just use that. <laughs> um, she's a t- for those huge fans of Dune. She's an axolotl tank for Paul Seaman. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. We're really going out of it this one, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, because, like, genuinely, he knows how to write romance. We saw it. Yeah. He knows how to write women with agency. Yeah. We saw it. Mm-hmm. Like, but Chani's a, a board. And Chani's the, one of the most important characters in the entire series, period. I watch, uh, I watched last podcast on the left, and, uh, and, uh, one, and, uh, one of the hosts, one of the hosts, uh, Henry Zabrowski, he's a huge, he, like, he's a, he's a huge Dune fan. Yeah. I feel like you and him would have, like, an endless debate on, like, on this subject matter. Does and he, does he think Chani has agency? I'm not sure, but okay. he's a, but he's a serious Dune fanatic. Okay. So, you and him would go toe-to-toe on each other and would, and would probably have, like, the same agreements or disagreements and have, like, the same quarrels or something like that i don't know but if you but if he were in the same room with you and you guys were talking about dune i want to see that i think because that would be because that would be really hilarious and really and really cool to watch because like (laughs) um for those that don't know like dune is literally 100 percent my favorite um fictional piece ever like i think that dune is nigh perfection i think that is incredibly well written i think that the characters in Dune are incredibly interesting, and it's like to the point like Dune teaches you a lesson. About it's, ga- it's Game of Thrones in space. It's Game of, to yeah, a lot of newcomers. Yeah. It's a, it's Game of Thrones in space, but like I think George R. R. Martin um, writes better characters. Yeah, I think George is better at, at gaining the um, gaining the hearts of people when it comes to the character. But with that being said, Dune is almost as good because like. Westeros is a dope world in that it's super cool to explore and there's a lot of really cool stuff. But um, Game of Thrones is about the political drama. Yeah. While Dune is, like I mentioned earlier with Avatar, it's like a perfect balance of the two. Um, yeah. Because like, The Last Airbender is like perfectly well written when it comes to building a world that I wish I could see more of. Like, to put it in perspective, there are very few games I wish and I could play. And then we got Legend of Korra and we were like, Okay, I, I don't want to go in this world now. Yeah. Here's the thing <laughs> about Korra um, that I think a lot of people have a problem with is that it's just different. And it's it's yeah. trying to be more mature, but it isn't. Like it's ri- like it's riding on the coattails of of what made Avatar: The Last Airbender yes. great. I, I agree, but it's trying, but was trying to be more adult. Yes, it was trying to be adult Avatar, but it failed, kinda. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you were it got more d- political than it did with Avatar. Well, no, I mean the entirety of Avatar is a political drama. I mean, yeah, but it, but yeah, it did it. It didn't it did put it, it in the forefront. Yeah. It didn't put it in the forefront because it was it was yeah it was for children. It was story. It was story first, message later. No, oh, I, I yeah, think it, I think no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, are we talking about Korra? I, I'm talking about I'm talking about Last Airbender. No, I, but, I, I, but, I but with Korra, with but with Korra, it's still the same thing. No, Korra is spectacle first, story later. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, Avatar, Avatar's 50-50. Like, because the first thing you're introduced to is the fact that the world that you're in is broken. That's the reason that it starts with the, with the, titles, the title crawl instead of starting with Aang coming out of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, the, fo- the first thing that 
we show you, meaning because we're creators like them now, mm-hmm. the first thing that we show you means something. Hard to imagine. We are hard to imagine. We are like them now. That's yeah. That's damn. I gotta. I, mean, I gotta step. Level. As, I gotta step aside and think about that. <laughs> we're not on their level. We're not anywhere near as experienced or skilled as they are yet. But no, we, it's just a realization where it's like, oh man, we I'm, make. I'm one of. I'm one of this now. Yeah, that's we, we're creatives. Holy we shit, make a, dude. A, yeah, we make a beautiful world that. Personally, I am I am the creator, but I'm a fan too, and I want to explore the world that you guys are building with your art. Fucking a! <laughs> like the world that you're painting is beautiful, and like genuinely, I do explore it in my in my mind and in my dreams. Like yeah, same here. It, oh wow, we just did two hours. Um, yeah, two hours is fun. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. So we'll, our mission statement. We'll wrap it up with our mission statement. Okay. We will not be raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> We will not be Todd Howard. We will be Joshua Sawyer, the creator and lead designer of Fallout New Vegas. We will be Tom Kenny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna be the Neil. Adams. No, if any, no, if anything, I if anything, I will be Tom Kenny because I'm gonna be doing because I'm gonna be doing the voices of these things when the anime comes out. Hopefully. If it ever does happen, it's definitely gonna happen. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely want to get voice acting under my, under my like professional skill set. So it's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically how I want this to go. Yeah. I know I've said this a lot, but I'm gonna keep saying it until I die. I want to create games and worlds that people want to explore. I don't like any idea that I come up with. I'm or like whatever story, whatever story idea, whatever whatever like character that I come up with uh, out of the top of my head, I say to myself, like, I think to myself, I want to, like, I want to, like, I want to create something that I want to see tomorrow. Exactly. Or I want to make, like, I want to write a movie that I want to see tomorrow. Yeah. That kind of thing. Because, like, literally, in my notes, I have, like, an entire section of, like, of, like, film and store and like film short film or just story ideas that i'm that i just like that i like just start coming up off the top of my head yeah like every day i gotta like if it ever comes up i'm i just go right into it and that kind of thing so so it's like and even with like at conventions or if somebody asks me for a commission like i want to like like if they want me to draw a character, I'm gonna make this character look like you. You just you just got like you just got like your money's worth out of it. Yeah. That's, so that's exactly. and that's and that's pretty much the mindset on why I do this. And like from like a professional like artist standpoint, but at the same but at the same time like being a fan of like what of like love of like loving this idea so much that you're gonna put all your passion and energy into it it's it's that's pretty that's pretty much what i am that's pretty much what i go go by like because when i'm bringing these characters to life and life in this world that they're going that they're living in in some ways it's a very similar process where you're just drawing from the imagination the main difference when you're doing concept design you're just at the beginning of of the process which for me, the enjoyable part is coming up with is coming up with the idea and sketching it down. But at the same time, you lose that sense of getting really immersed into a piece of work 
when doing illustration for like a book or a card game. It's a long process, um, like uh, like actually producing this type of like this type of artwork, and I'd like and I'd like to spend as much time as I want on like on it. I I just find that the quality of the work kind of increases incrementally in the amount of time that's spent on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, it's about finding that that happy. Yeah. Uh, go- what what does Goldilocks want? Porridge or something? Yeah, I think she wants porridge. No, so she doesn't. No, she wants free rent. That's what, oh, she, yeah, that's wants. what she wants. She wants free rent. Um, <laughs> she wants to live rent free with with these with these bear roommates. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's right. And she did at the end. She's probably she's probably in a bear orgy right now. Actually, Whoa. like she's like she's the mistress running the whole thing. <laughs> um, that just took a really yeah, dark, that- a dark turn, didn't it, kids? <laughs> See, see, when you're a creative, you gotta think about this kind of stuff. Or it's like, you gotta think about like all these alternate ways on how this could go. Yeah, true. All right, well, everybody, it was a uh, was an interesting and very long podcast this time around. A lot of talk about relationships, Star Wars, and whatever else. <laughs> a noticeable theme in this. <laughs> Not a problem, but I don't know. It's a nice out of the box way of, think, of thinking at certain subjects, which I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this now. But it's like, but it's like, man, dude, like the stuff, like the stuff that we lose on lose our minds to. It's like just, it's like, it's like damn, I never thought of, thought about this. <laughs> where it's like coming, where it's like comparing Avatar and uh, and uh, what and and well and and Hanna Barbera of all things. Like, are, gonna, like, are we going to influence a Hanna-Barbera comeback? Like, is everybody going to be obsessed with that world now? Because, honestly, I'd want that now. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera already had a comeback. I mean, I mean, yeah, but it's like, but it's like, I want, Boomerang. but it's, I mean, yeah, but, but at the same time where it's like, I, where it's like, I hope it's us that like spark us that our audience gets like that spark of, of like, ha- of like having like. Like we made Hanna Barbera cool again, you know, where it's like people are, are gonna get obsessed with like Yogi Bear and McGilla Gorilla or Grape Ape or something like that. Grape Ape. Grape Ape. Grape Ape is a kaiju. <laughs> yeah, he is. All right. See you guys later. All right. Take care. Bye.